Hi, I'm Ryan from Chicago. You are listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Look at that. All right. It's summer again. Time for that pesky summer cold. Or do you have malaria? If you've been bitten by a mosquito, you've already met the insect that's killed more people than all wars combined. Bites from mosquitoes made George Washington so sick that he took huge doses of quinine, which caused him to go deaf during his presidency. We've discovered that mosquitoes are drawn to people who have been drinking beer or exercising. Avoid these things at all costs. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 20 years and counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will... Good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 847-A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now back to American Radio Broadcast. On Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are. She's lean and he's green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Yes, they are. Oh, yeah. And good morning to everybody. And this is a very exciting morning for me. And I'm hoping that there are, we might even have a few extra listeners who have been reading about this during the week because in are you okay peggy okay she's missing her dingers oh oh my goodness (laughs) we we can't do a show without the dingers and they're in the box in the back see we're so excited and putting everything together get this 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 dumb phone out of the way and put that there there we go so much better You can tell that. Okay, the show can continue. We are really old school here, as you can see. Uh, in the studio, I am so thrilled and honored to have Steve King and Johnny Putman, sometimes known as Steve and Johnny, sometimes known as him and her, right? Sometimes known as her and him, but that's just in my book. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh, welcome, you guys. Thank uh, you. Thank you for being here. What What'd you say? I had too much quinine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> thank yeah. you for having us, because I feel like we grew up together, so now we finally get back together. Uh, it, it is uh, a, an amazing thing, and it feels like uh, a thousand years ago. And I have to tell you, I'm not surprised by this at all. I drum- dreamt about Gargantua Radio down the dial last night. In prep for the show, I, I just knew that was going to happen, that the dreams were going to be uh, because Steve and Johnny are here. And and that is my my pet phrase sometimes for WGN radio. I call it gargantua radio down the dial. And um, uh, that's where we met and worked together for a long time. Many nights. Yes. A long time. Steve and Johnny were doing the overnight show, uh, Life After Dark, with Steve and Johnny. 
Uh, and you guys did that for about 27 years. Yep. Yikes. Yep. Yikes. I've been doing uh, the gardening show in one permutation or another for 21 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know how long, how long <laughs> that is. Uh, and the amazing thing about what you guys did was you filled – and please excuse the word fill – uh, sometimes you could use the word kill. Uh, you killed six hours a night, which which in radio can be a really, really difficult yep. thing to do. And do you know how I found that out? When I had to do it myself. When you had to fill in for when us. When I had to fill in for yes. you guys. And they put, me, they put me there and they said, uh, we'd like you to fill in for Steve and Johnny. And I would say, what am I going to talk about for six hours? Uh-huh. Uh, and so I immediately grabbed onto my partner, Kathleen, and said, you're, you're mm-hmm. coming in to – to sit with me and so we could talk for six hours. Right. And I think we scared the dickens out of most of the listeners because <laughs> we're we're not nearly as nice to each other as you guys are. Okay? <laughs> uh, and, and I and I think I think there are a lot of people out there saying, Ooh, it's the evil Steve and Johnny here. Okay. That's because we were mean. not under contract to be nice to each other. We just got lucky. Yeah. I, you know, it's not like the management said, No, you have to be nice to each other. No, but, but the- you always were and you still are. But you guys sounded great because uh, we were, long story short, we were off the air for roughly five months because I had some serious health problems. And uh, you guys pitched Mike in and during Kathleen, that time. Uh, we're hanging oh, out inside the radio speaker. The New Year's Eve, we woke up deathly ill with a high fever. Right. Yeah. You we, guys were we, called on New Year's we Eve. We got to do a New Year's Eve show, uh, which is there's nothing like it in the whole world. And you had already booked all the guests. Right. So we got to do that. So that was fun. So just just being in your wake uh, on your coattails was, was no, we've was never a, been awake. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the other thing you learn when you do an overnight show. Uh, you realize that your your sleeping patterns are done. They're cooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's and you guys had a, a, a an arrangement where you would sleep part of the time. You'd wake up and then you go back to sleep before. I, I don't know how you did that. We don't either. Uh, we, we would get home uh, and crash for about three hours, then get up and work, work on, on the show. show. Then if we didn't get about a uh, two or three hour nap in the evening, it was not a good day. Uh-huh. And, and regardless of how much they say they understand, the rest of the world does not understand third shifters. No, they do not. And I learned the hard way <laughs> what a shir- third shifter is. Now, here's something you guys rarely had at WGN. It's called a hard break. So that's what we're going <laughs> to. So this is what, and I miss the, the, the idea just kind of talking and talking and say, hey, we'll break. Well, we're going to break. We'll be right back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki with Steve and Johnny. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. 
When's the last time you made a deposit in your ecosystem savings account? What I mean is that native plants are an investment in the future. They help to provide clean water, clean air, sequester carbon, mitigate climate change, and more. All of which have a major economic impact on global commerce and health impacts on humans, even in your own backyard. Natural Communities Native Plants can help you enrich yourself and the world around you. For starters, they have the largest selection of native plants, shrubs, and trees in the Midwest. And if this is the year you ditch that turf lawn for a native alternative, they offer low-mo lawn blends, sedge lawn kits, or knee-high meadows if you're feeling really brave. They even have native garden kits for beginners. You can take it to the bank. The birds, bees, butterflies, and other critters will think you're a financial genius. Go to naturalcommunities.net. Naturalcommunities.net. This is your talk. Hey, this place is really something else, huh? Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. And the reason I'm playing this, I want to see if Mark Zuckerberg is going to uh, <laughs> clamp down. One of the things that happens when you do stuff on Facebook is that you'll get a notice every once in a while from Facebook. We uh, just muted uh, 20 seconds of your program because you were playing music that uh, we, uh, we've we licensed and you're not going to get. Right. And I was thinking, come on, this is 1951, all well, right? It's Mary Ford. You know? Yeah. All it's right. kind of cool to be recognized, though. Oh! They know we're out there. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is kind of cool. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and Steve and Johnny. <laughs> we look the same on the radio, but now that we're on Facebook, we can't say that. Exactly. Uh, and I want to encourage folks to give us a call at 877-711-5611 if the, there are fans of Steve and Johnny out there. I know there are no fans of me, so uh, we got to go with uh, Steve and Johnny here. But they're fans of Peggy. Uh, out there. So, uh, uh, 877-711-5611. You're, you're welcome to say hi. And watch us on Facebook Live at the Mike Novak Show. And we are busy tweeting as well. Right. You can, you can see Steve and Johnny. And, and one of the things you might want to pay attention to, Steve, is the camera shot there. Yes. You're welcome to adjust the mic so that you... It doesn't hide you unless, you unless you're trying to be hidden. He likes that. And I know you're not afraid to mess with a mic. It will make Sonar crazy because uh, he says, he's always telling us, don't dance with the mics. <laughs> right, 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 Dennis? Exactly. How do you break a paperclip? <laughs> we can show you. <laughs> uh, so uh, you, you get to see Steve and Johnny uh, on the camera uh, as well. And look at the calls are already pouring in. You got to like that. Uh, a couple of things, uh, we played, we just played How High the Moon, and of course that was Les Paul and Mary Ford, uh, as I said, back in 1951 when they put that together, and part of the reason that Steve and Johnny are on the show today is not just so we can reminisce about the uh, good old days, but they actually wrote a book called A Little More Less, um, and I was a little embarrassed because I, I posted about it the other day. Oh, I can Sorry, hear it. it's thunking. <laughs> well, I'm not at my usual mic, so my ergonomics are totally different. <laughs> That's a great drum sound. Yeah. A nice bass drum sound. 
And uh, I, I took a photo of the cover, and I and I should have realized I could just go to your website <laughs> and, get and the, just steal it. And so this, uh, it was on the floor, and I, you know, oh really? Uh, yeah, you're I, standing over, and you're getting I'm shadows. Stand, I'm exactly, and going, oh, there's glare. How can I get rid of that glare? And I should have just gone to your, your. You've actually got a web page for the book, which is a little more less. Spell it with one s. A little more less. Mm-hmm. dot com. And Les Paul, of course, uh, was a genius. And um, he was a good friend of yours, and he um, it is pro- he didn't exactly invent the electric guitar, but he certainly was a pioneer in the development right. of the electric guitar, right? And uh, and also uh, uh, sound on sound recording, right. yep. which was basically multi-tracking. That's what they called it at the time. He was he brought Ampex. Uh, to America, basically, right. I, and he was given the, like the second Ampex machine in America from that, Bing. That's after he he introduced Bing Crosby to Ampex, and uh, Bing always wanted to record his shows because Bing wanted to be out on the golf course. So he was so appreciative <laughs> that he then gave Les uh, another Ampex, and the first thing Les did was said, "Hmm, okay, they've got one record head here, another record head here. Let me add another record head here and see what we can do." And that mm-hmm. was the beginning of uh, multi-track recording. And Mike is a, a former engineer; you can appreciate close miking. That's what Les came up with, yeah. as well as fade and echo. And... But the way they did it was actually the way I used to do it back in the day when I didn't have access to the right equipment, which is overdub and overdub yes. and overdub mm-hmm. and yeah. overdub. So they would do like 23 tracks. And if you got the 24th wrong, you'd have to start from yes. scratch. Yep. In fact, some of our favorite stories are in the book that Les tells. I believe he was at the Drake Hotel recording with Mary in yeah. their room. And they were, and they would start with the track to me. I can't even wrap my mind around it because I'm not a, a musician, but Mary would come in last with her multiple part harmony singing with herself. And so they would get to about the 15th or 16th track and think, okay, we're almost home free. (laughs) And a plane would go over or someone, as Les told the story, flush the toilet. And he said, Mary, we got to go back to the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) But but Les told us an interesting story. And this kind of speaks to the development of modern technology. After Les invented the eight track recorder, which meant that they no longer had to do basically sound on sound, they could, if they got to the 20th track and they screwed up, they could go back and just replace that track. Mm-hmm. They never had another hit record <laughs> until yeah. Les recorded with Chet Atkins. Les's theory was in their early hits, because as you were saying, if they goofed up on the 15th track, they had to go back to the beginning. They had that adrenaline going for them. Every every yeah. track so was on. a performance. Well, it's 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 the difference between a studio and a live recording, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. Uh, everybody who who does something live knows it's different when you have an audience, uh, or yep. or the uh, you're doing the high wire act mm-hmm. and everything's That's on the was. line. Exactly yep. that energy. You get that energy. So, but then you get like la- he said, you it's get like lazy. Doing, you know what? It's like doing live radio. <laughs> yes. Honest to goodness, because I know there's a lot of people who like to record their programs. I have never done that. I won't even do live interviews. I won't even do recorded, recorded interviews. interviews on my show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never say, did either for uh, that reason. Yeah. And and people say, well, uh, so-and-so is going to be in town in, on a Tuesday. And I said, I'd rather have them call on mm-hmm. a Sunday. Same here. Yeah. 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 I, we like the, the fact that they were in the same boat that the rest of the audience was. So if they were sleepy at 3 o'clock in the morning and we were talking to them, that added to the uh, well our adrenaline certainly because they were on yeah. the same page as us versus going in and getting this nice clean pristine event uh 
And and Les also talked about when he recorded with Chet Atkins and, in fact, won all kinds of Grammys, and it was the most popular CD that he ever put out. Uh, he and Chet went into the studio and they just looked at the engineers and said, okay, roll tape. And you hear that banter with them and the engineers mm-hmm. on the CD, which mm-hmm. is really fun. Yeah. They, at uh, the, I, uh, it's funny because, and you recounted in the book, and again, it's called A Little More Less, L-E-S, and it's, uh, uh, about Steve and Johnny's relationship with Les Paul. Uh, and you can get it at, what's the website again? A Little More Less. Dot com. A little more less dot com. And we're and coming up on Les's what would have been his hundred third birthday. birthday. Yeah. And, yeah. and I need to I need to interject right now. We are going to get to some sustainability stuff and maybe even some gardening stuff. Just for those people saying, wait a second, I thought this was that other show. Well, yeah, you, you know what? <laughs> but but it is. Keep in mind that a guitar is made of wood and steel, or aluminum. Which we right. will talk about yes. a little bit too. Right. Uh, so we will get to that in a second. And by the way, it's called the Mike Novak Show, which means I get to do whatever I want. <laughs> All right. So, so there. But so, but I think you folks are going to enjoy this today. Uh, so uh, we will get to that. And I wanted to let everybody know that. So that's kind of our introduction. But right now, I want to go to the phone line and bring in our first caller of the day, mystery guest. Mystery guest, would you sign in, please? Hi guys, it's Kathleen. Oh, oh, hey, Kathleen. How are you? Hi. <laughs> and you get a dig. Uh, you guys look so great. And thank you're you. beautiful as usual. Well, Johnny. thank you, Kathleen. Oh, you're so oh. Steve, <laughs> you're, Steve, you're starting to look like a handsome Roy Orbison. <laughs> oh, I forgot to take off my sunglasses. Duh. I'm glad uh-huh. you said handsome, too. Thank you. <laughs> well, and we miss anyway, you here. I'm not going to keep. Mm-hmm. We miss you here because uh, I have memories of you two filling in for us one night and actually talking to Les Paul, if I'm not mistaken. Did we? I'm not yes, sure. Yes, we did. You yeah, did? You did. Wow. I, yeah. I had forgotten that. Yeah. Was that he when, was a legend. Wait a second. Was, that must, uh, that must have been the New up. Year's. No, 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 no. That was another night. Uh, if I recall, we, we called in sick and I don't know that he was a scheduled guest. I think he called just to welcome you kids <laughs> to the radio. Now I have to go find that tape. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's there in the collection someplace. The, uh, the, the 40, 47 boxes of cassette tapes oh, that I have golly. in the garage, that, that, that collection. Well, that's what we yeah. went through to transcribe the chapters in the book. Mm-hmm. We went through DAT and Minidisc and, and reel to reel. But it was easy to find because I have them all filed alphabetically according, according to, to size. <laughs> it worked. Well, <laughs> and well, by the... I'm going to, I'm going to say goodbye, but I just wanted to say hi. Thank well, you. Well, you guys and, have fun. And wait, before you go, Kathleen, um, uh, the best thing that Kathleen did uh, on when we were doing the show is she would come up with these great bits. Um, I'm, I was there flying the spaceship and she would come up with these great ideas and the best idea you ever came up with. And I'm not even going to remember th- exactly the name of it. It was the desk where things blew up. What, what did you call that? The, you know, the, oh, the recall desk, the recall desk, the recall desk. We would read the, the things that had been recalled that week uh-huh. and a good, Three quarters of them were recalled because they blew up. Um, <laughs> so there were children's toys that blew oh, up, and yeah, there were yeah. um, garden imp- instruments that blew up. And, and there was also something else that got us in trouble with the management because we we actually oh. read on the air the side effects of that fake uh, fat olein or something like that. Oh yes, yeah. And, uh, oh. We got, some of the na- some of the 
callers, um, some of the listeners, um, thought that that was a little risque. Not <laughs> risque, gross. gross. <laughs> it, it was. We uh, there was oops. There was leakage. It caused leakage. Yes, and, oh yes, I remember that. Yes. And, and then we got in trouble for that. So, uh, <laughs> so when we got back on the air, we talked about leakage for hours. Just, yeah, seriously, it was great fun. Just to get them accustomed to it. <laughs> Except there was another word that went in front of the word leakage, yes. and I'm not going to say it yes. because it's, it's people haven't had their breakfast yet. I don't want to get in trouble here either. Okay, <laughs> Kathleen, thank you so much. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, Kathleen. Glad you're watching. Love to see you. Bye. Have a good time, you guys. Thank Bye-bye. you. All right. Back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and our guests, Steve and Johnny, here in the studio. One of the things I wanted to mention, uh, you heard our theme at the very beginning of the show, Good Planets Are Hard to Find. Um, and that was recorded on the overnight um, when we were filling in for you. And we brought in a group called the Hillbilly Winos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great and group. They were fun. They were really good. And they came in. We did what you guys did, which is you bring musicians into the studio. You, you have them in for a couple of hours. And uh, you you sit and chat. And they play a few songs. And and Steve would mix it live mm-hmm. there in the studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, since I had a little uh, familiarity with the equipment, I was able to do it. I was even able to pop in a little reverb behind it, yep. and, you know. And they came in with a guitar, um, with uh, a bass, mm-hmm. a fiddle, and they didn't even have real drums. They had a pad. So the guy was was tapping out the beat on a pad mm-hmm. which sounded pretty good actually when you put the mic up close to it so they would they did like three or four songs live and i had asked them to do this because i went to see them perform and they did this song good planets are hard to find mm-hmm. um and i said you've you've got to do this on the show because then i can use it for my own program which mm-hmm. at the time was called let's talk gardening on wgn uh and they did and i recorded it and i was never so happy and i have used it ever <laughs> since and that was that's got to be uh, uh, 13, 14, maybe 15 years ago. Well, again, a, a testament to your abilities, because when you started playing it, I thought, oh, what a great record. Mm-hmm. So well, thank kudos you. to you. Well, thanks. It was it was fun. And you mentioned uh, DAT recording yeah. a second ago. Mm-hmm. You don't happen to have a DAT recorder, do you? Uh, actually, we do. We do. Because I have DAT tapes that I have wow. no idea how to okay. transfer. I haven't even heard re- reason DAT tapes for us, in years. Reason for us to get together with Kathleen, have dinner, and talk DAT. Uh, that would be great. Or see, dis and DAT. See. <laughs> okay. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> see, uh, that's why we had to get the dingers out. <laughs> okay. And uh, the thing is, uh, DAT was a, a, a format that lasted about five minutes. Yes. Uh, in between. Re- Beta cam. And- <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it was some, somewhere in there. But it, it, there and, and mini discs mm-hmm. were in there. Yep. They, they lasted about three minutes. Uh, actually, I think DAT was shorter than, than mini discs. Uh, and, and then it all just went to files, audio files. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where we are now. But now I, it's going back to vinyl. Yay. I know. So vinyl actually outsold every other form of recorded music over the past couple of years. My goodness. I remember you saying over and over mm-hmm. at WGN that when we went into the digital age, we were entering the dark ages of audio. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, kind of. Really? It's, I think digital sound now is getting very close to where they said it was when it first came out. The worst example I can think of is when Motown digitized all of their hits. And, for example, you'd be listening to uh, uh, My Girl mm-hmm. and that, that great bass line. Right. 
the digital version was like, <laughs> because they did it. They weren't listening. They were watching the meters yeah. rather than listening. And we later talked with an English producer who had worked on some of the Beatles records. Right. And he said, the problem with so much transfer to digital technology is just that people don't listen. Mm -hmm. They're looking at the meters. They're not using their ears. Yeah. Uh, They're not getting the nuances out of exactly. it. Exactly. And, and you know what happens is... Uh, oh, that's nasty. All right. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> the peanut gallery. That's, that's, that's the honey badger who, who, who says... Oh, that's nasty. All right. Uh, so that's, that's, but we've gotten better at it. I mean, even less would talk about digital. He liked, he oh, was, sure. he oh. was embracing it. He uh, was at all the about new life. technology. In yeah, 1959, absolutely. he was being inducted into the Sound Engineers Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. one of 11 halls of fame that he was inducted in, uh, including the Smithsonian Institute. But, uh, he was being inducted and he said at that time, he was trying to get people to grasp the concept that they would be carrying music in their pockets one day. And they said, sure. And a transistor goes, no, no, no. It's going to be different. But he didn't know the words for it. He, he didn't, didn't know, know the word digital. He didn't know yeah. how to explain what he imagined we would eventually be hearing. And, and, he, and you talk about it in the book. Uh, he, he says, no, no, there's going to be no moving parts. Right. All right. right. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be yeah. this little thing. Yep. And he didn't, and as you said, he didn't know what digital was at the time. He said, but it'll be in your pocket. Yeah. That's all I know. It'll be that small and it will sound wonderful. And it, I get goosebumps when I think of that, that somebody was walking around with a mind like that and people are going, ha, 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 crazy man, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he's the only person who is in both the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Inventors Hall of Fame. Right. Yep. Right. Which is... That tells you all you need to know yeah, about, about Les yeah. Paul. All right, let's talk. Some, we'll talk some guitars and things you make guitars out of, like wood and yes. metal, aluminum, that kind of thing. Can uh, we get to dance now? Yeah. Yes, you may. Go ahead. It's the Mike Novak <laughs> Show <laughs> with Peggy Malecki and Steve and Johnny. We hope you stick around. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Openlands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connection to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse the collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. Tree-stories.org. Did you grow an award-winning garden last year? Yes? But did you receive an award for it? No? Well, then you didn't enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards competition when 46 great gardens from 26 city wards were honored. But fear not, Chicago gardeners, we're doing it again this year, starting right now. And we want you to enter your garden. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org and fill out an application. It's free, and your garden might be recognized as one of the best in the city. We're looking for ornamental, vegetable, container, and specialized gardens, such as green roofs, walls, and rain gardens, community gardens, and new this year, urban farms. You have until June 20th to register. 
And did I mention it's free and presented in part by The Mike Novak Show, Natural Awakening Chicago, and some other pretty great organizations? Go to Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards on Facebook or chicagogardeningawards.org and get your garden in the game. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. mentioning earlier and by the way we have steve and johnny uh in the studio this morning a very special first hour of the mike novak show with peggy malecki we're listening to a track from uh, a cd and an album called chester and lester guitar monsters and this is one of the best guitar recordings of all time absolutely you're very lucky you have that it is so hard to find. And Even in CD? Now it's in the hundreds of dollars. Wow. Are yeah. you kidding no. me? Because it was so popular. It was his most popular CD at the Club Uridium yeah. when he played mm-hmm. in New York. And, and everything you hear on that CD is, as we were talking about earlier, recorded live. live. No overdubs. Yeah. Fact, uh, quick long story short. Uh, Chet Atkins was a bit more of a perfectionist. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point he said to Les, well, okay, the, it sounds really good. But could you kind of tweak a little bit? Come on back to Nashville. Les said, I'm not coming back to Nashville. Been there, done that. But remember, so, the the tapes had actually been mailed to Les. Well, that's what I was going to say. So so Les said, I'm staying at home. Chet said, okay, I'll send you the the tapes. Les had his own studio. I said, you know, just kind of tweak a couple things. Les didn't touch them. <laughs> it was like six months later, yes. Chet calls and says, okay, well, how about those tapes? And uh, Les said, oh, I just finished it up. Threw them back in the mail. And uh, Chet got him back and said, oh, sounds great. He hadn't <laughs> opened Nothing the package. Had been tweaked. He didn't even look at And he laughed when he told that story, to which always made me say, you rascal, because he really, <laughs> truly was. You know? Well, and the other thing, and you write about it in the book, if I'm, I hope I have this right, that they did this rehearsal with all these songs and Chet said, okay, we'll do the real thing on Monday. And Les said, yes. no, 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 I'm, I'm catching a plane. I'm That's out right. of here. So he said, that was it. That, That's what that, you that was the real thing. Yep. That was it. And it was a Grammy Award winning album. Yeah. Um, and, and to this day, guitar players uh, look at that and say, oh, my goodness. And, and, yeah. it, and the, me, the average person listening to it says, oh, my goodness, yeah. that is the most wonderful music that you can imagine. And, and one of the great things about it is... One of the wonderful, unique things about Chet and Lester, you can listen to them and you hear their personalities come out in their guitar playing. You can tell who's who, even mm-hmm. if you're listening oh, yeah. in, in Marvelous Mono. You can hear the rascal versus yeah, exactly. the, the, the more, um, what would you say? Well, perfectionist is the best word yeah. for a Chet Atkins. But, but we should throw in a quick blatant plug. Yes. Uh, the, uh, this coming Saturday, June 9th, would have been Les Paul's 103rd birthday we're doing a very special celebration. We're going to be up at the Woodstock Library. Yes. And we're doing a, a book signing. We'll be talking about less. It's free. And there's going to be a showing of the terrific movie, Chasing Sound. 
Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a, a number of other uh, things that will be happening. So it's uh, next Saturday. I believe the start time is uh, 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock. Right. It's being hosted by uh, Free Guitars for Future Stars. Which is a great organization. It is. And we're really honored that they asked us to be a part of this. And we're also so happy that it happens to fall in Les's actual birthday. Uh, if you happen to be up in Milwaukee at the Discovery World, they have a great display. But if you can't make it up there, stop in Woodstock and visit with us. We'll be out in the light of day. <laughs> well, you, you are now. You are Yes, today. we are. Um, but the, and I'm melting. I'm melting. melting. You will take your sunglasses off when we're, people always say, I can't see your eyes, Steve. All right. Before we, we need to talk about guitars. Yes. Speaking of guitars, let's bring in that phone call. Uh, and on line three, I believe we have Rick Moskovitz. Rick, are you with us? I'm here. Hi, Rick. Hey, Rick. Hi, Steve and Johnny. How are you? Great. Good. Thank you. See, the, I was, the th- I'm going to say I was, the, I was a guest on their show one time. Oh, yeah. You were, you, you, you would show up on their show occasionally. Uh, the, the only thing, the difference being when Rick says, can I bring my guitar? I always say, yeah, sure. <laughs> 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 so, uh, Rick, uh, say hi and then we got to get to a discussion about guitars. Good. Sounds really good. Uh, well, Okay. Okay. There's your. There's I'm listening. Your... I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm listening. I'm listening. All <laughs> Thanks, right. Rick. Thanks for calling, that's a great, Rick. By the way, that's that's a really great book. Oh, well, thank you, Rick. Paul. Book. Appreciate Thank you. it. See? Uh, the check's in the mail, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way that works around okay. here. All right, Rick, you have a Your great... Your book, too, Mike. It's really... Uh, well, right, thanks. And by the way, you guys are getting a copy of this when you leave great. today. Great. Yay. My, Attack my of the Killer Asparagus. Attack of the Killer Asparagus. <laughs> Got to give that a ding as well. All right, Rick, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Have a great Sunday. All right. See you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Let's get to that conversation about yes. guitars, because one of the things you mentioned to me, Steve King, is that um, there is sustainability being practiced in how people build guitars. You mentioned Taylor. Well, and I mentioned that there are a lot of guitar corporations that are very conscious of sustainability and coming up with uh, uh, some ways to to, uh, reforest. Gibson was one of the first that started doing it, but Taylor has really gotten into it. In fact, Bob Taylor, the founder of Taylor Guitars, he actually has turned over the day-to-day running of the company to some other people while he is investing and using his own money to help promote sustainability programs. He just did a tour around the world of various countries and looking at how they're practicing sustainability. In fact, I brought a uh, an issue of a guitar magazine, and I'm just going to hand this to you. Okay. Uh, it's an ad for Taylor Guitars. Now, most guitar companies will say, oh, here, look at our wonderful new <laughs> line of guitars. Look and, and read any part of that that you want to. Wow. It says some musical breakthroughs happen in studios, some in garages, and some in forests. On a dusty road outside of Yaoundé, Cameroon, you can peer into the African forest and see something totally out of place. Villagers planting ebony saplings, all supported by a guitar manufacturer from El Cajon, California, despite the fact that ebony has been used in guitar and violin fingerboards for centuries, the music industry had done very little to replant it. Since we have no desire to ever make guitars without ebony, we teamed up with some of the world's best researchers and foresters to study how to replant it on a large scale. Now, for the first time in history, we're planting, growing, and harvesting ebony sustainably. 
one look into that forest in Cameroon reveals something else sprouting, hope, mm -hmm. not just for Ebony, but for the future of the Tone Woods worldwide. Watch the whole story at taylorguitars.com slash ebony project. That's uh, very cool. And my point is Taylor is really, really committed to this. Bob uh, Taylor's my hero when it comes to this oh, because absolutely. really the industry was a wee bit slow. You know, the all of the the, the laws as we see them today yeah. that fall under the heading of CITE, C-I-T-E, and that's the Convention for International Trade of Endangered Species. Uh, and that involves 200 governments that support this. That all started because furniture was illegally being made from woods that were never, ever going to be seen again. Mm -hmm. And then guitar makers said, uh, wait a minute. If that wood's not available, we may not be around at some point. And so they were kind of slow to it, but now they're on board and Taylor is, he's leading the way. Uh, Bob Taylor, you know, God bless him for doing this. He put his money where his mouth is. He is in Cameroon yeah. watching this happen. And they got a great video. Up yeah. on the Ebony yeah. Project yeah. that really walks people through, not just, I, I was impressed of all the work they were doing yes. to help the, people. the the workers and the people right. there and the families. And but this really started with Rosewood because Rosewood, I know, I often hear Steve, who is a guitar collector, say, wow, there's nothing like the sound of Rosewood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, if sight had not stepped in and yeah. if there had not become this effort to save Rosewood, there would be no more Rosewood guitars. Mm. But thankfully... Uh, but sadly, I should back up and say bureaucracy gets involved in this. So you have the Food and Drug Administration, believe mm. it or not. You have the Ag Department. You have TSA. You have everybody that well, wants a piece of this action. And beyond that, unfortunately, the reality is that each country can implement the site's regulations the way they, the way they choose. Want. Mm. We have yeah. heard of horrible stories of musicians traveling with a guitar that has some rosewood. Ryan and, Adams is a great yes. example. And he, uh, the, I don't know if it was the TSA or who it was in, in one country. In Jerusalem. They checked his guitar. They said, okay, this guitar has been checked. And to prove that it had been checked, they wrote on the guitar. With an indelible marker. And it was a Martin guitar that was probably worth $20,000. Yikes. And they took it away to check to be sure that it was approved wood to be allowed into their country. And wrote on it. He he wept like a baby. But then that is not as bad as in some countries where they will find that you have a, a guitar that has some rosewood. Yeah. No, we can't allow that in our country. And they destroy they, the guitar. In front Absolutely of Absolutely true. Oh, yes. We support. The, you know, we're a part of the government band. And because we don't want you to sell this guitar to anybody else, we're so going to destroy it. And you, oh you can... You can Cry and gnash your teeth all you want. You can throw dollar bills. It doesn't matter. That's the way the, the law is. I, so I can see doing that with ivory. If, if, yes. Especially if it hasn't been yeah. made into anything. Right. Or even if it has. But this seems insane because you can you can grow this back. Or, right? or if well, you're looking at a guitar from 1920 and it's been all these years and now you're, you're going to destroy it. There's some insanity there. And, and one of the points in bringing this up and tell me if we have to break quickly. We've but, got two minutes here. Okay. One of the reasons I'm bringing this up is if you care about sustainability, and you should, go online, look up some of the site's regulations, mm -hmm. do what you can to get involved, because there is a lot of craziness going on around the world, and the more pressure is put on yeah. the the politicians from whatever country to get this right, the better it is. So you get involved. Wow. I, I had no idea yeah. that... Um, 
that well I, and and it's a peculiar industry because um it wood is used so much in guitars and there's some people who mm-hmm. who don't well, certain parts have to be have to be wood. have to be yeah. wood mm-hmm. yes uh, now there are other parts that don't have to be wood right. and that's something that we'll probably we've we got about like a minute left but one of the things i want to bring up is last year we had my friend carl zimmering on the show mm-hmm. he is one of the people responsible for starting the sustainable studies program at roosevelt university in chicago mm-hmm. um and now he's at the pratt institute in new york he wrote a, a a book last year called Aluminum Upcycled, Sustainable Design in Historical Perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing about aluminum was that until the beginning of the 20th century, there wasn't a lot of aluminum. Mm-hmm. And then they, they figured out how to how to manufacture it and, 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 and create it in abundance. And then it was used for airplanes, a lot of airplanes. And some of those airplanes, uh, when they were destroyed, they smelt the aluminum and you can reuse it. Some of of the aluminum used to this day was created in the first decade of the 1900s. And he talks about guitars with aluminum necks on them. And Mm -hmm. let's let's get to that. And we'll talk about that uh, with Steve and Johnny from WGN Radio. This is the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. The 26th Annual Koi Show from the Midwest Pond and Koi Society is coming in June, and the Mike Novak Show will be there again. Join Peggy and Mike on Saturday, June 23rd at the Max in McCook. Get great tips for your pond from the folks at the Midwest Pond and Koi Society. The show runs three days, June 22nd through 24th, and a month later, it's their great garden and pond tour, which covers the entire Chicago region. Go to mpks.org. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. This is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening Chicago magazine. And for the past eight years, we've been helping Chicagoans to lead healthier and more sustainable lives. Pick up a copy of Natural Awakenings each month and enjoy new information about health and wellness, local foods, raising healthy kids, helping our environment, and living a more sustainable life. Get your free copy of Natural Awakenings in more than 1,100 locations throughout city and suburbs or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Tune in to Chicago History and Automotive Heaven, Sundays at 12 noon with Richie Z, right here on WCGO AM 1590. I have to dedicate this to you. It's in the key of C, this, this, the Spanish key. <laughs>
and that is the great Tommy Emmanuel. Yeah. In fact, with Les Paul uh, at towards the very end of Les's, Les's life. Yeah. yeah. That very performance is a part of the movie Chasing Sound yes. that we're going to be screening next Saturday, this coming Saturday, up at uh, the Woodstock Library. And one of the neat things about that, when Tommy pr- first performed with mm-hmm. Les, he kind of laid back. And well, we, Les was, we, we write about it in the book. 90 uh, years old at the time, he said, I was showing my respect for him. <laughs> so I laid back. And after that performance, Les got him backstage and said, don't you ever do that. He said, you bring it. And if you watch this performance on Chasing Sound, you'll see Tommy is doing some incredible things. And Les is upping his game at yeah. 94 years old with arthritis to compete with Tommy. And it sounds great. And yeah. I love the fact that he said, don't treat me like that. I'm up to it. And and Tommy said it was scary. He was right in my face telling me no, because he knew he was holding back. Uh-huh. And I, I just and Tommy, Tommy wrote a chapter in the book. Uh, he had the good fortune of introducing him. The people that wrote chapters in the book, uh, the majority of them, like Charlie Daniels and Muriel Anderson, yeah. the, those wonderful guitarists we introduced to Les Paul. And and, think, and they said it changed their lives. Uh, can I share a quick Charlie Daniels story? Absolutely, because you had all these people on your show. You you, you talked to all of them. And, and you know, that music, uh, The Blue Moon, I just played, you, you might have thought I'd planned it or something for the show <laughs> to, 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 sort, to sort of play into the, the, the movie. And, and, and when you tell the Charlie Daniels story and explain a little bit about what the film is that's going to be shown. Okay, okay? sounds good. Well, uh, we had Charlie Daniels in the studio, and Charlie only plays Les Paul guitars. Charlie and I started talking about uh, uh, Les Paul, and Charlie apparently at that time thought that Les had already passed away. And he said something like, gee, it's a shame I never got to meet him. And we could tell he thought that Les was no longer with us. <laughs> I kind of nodded to Johnny. She kept Charlie talking. In the talkback, I told our producer, get Les on the phone. <laughs> and then we say, well, Charlie, we're going to go to a phone call. Les comes on and says, so is this the guy who took his fiddle down to Georgia to fight the devil? Well, this is Les Paul. You should have seen the look yes. on Charlie's face. Oh, boy. Long story short, he had just finished up a tour. He gets out of our studio, gets in his tour bus, drives to New York. The next Monday night, he's on stage with Les. And there's a picture in the book of Charlie and Les performing. out of, And you never see a picture of Charlie without his hat. Out of respect for Les, Charlie took his hat off. And, and the picture of the two of them performing, look at the, the smiles on both of their faces. Oh, look at that. Yeah. You know, that is interesting. I hadn't thought about the, uh, Charlie not mm. having a hat, hat on. on. Yeah. What, what page is that in the book? That's on 103. <laughs> okay, page. Yes, page 103. Which and, is and, the age that Les would have been. Oh, this ooh, year. I got Coincidence? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned that this Saturday when we talk about our um, our our time with Les and our love for the man, because as I always say, this is our Valentine to him. Yeah, because yeah. I've, there's been a lot written about him uh, that is the, uh, more of the technical side. We do not believe in telling the darker side. We didn't have the darker side to tell. Yeah, so we this never is, experienced that. This is not a tell-all no. uh, book. This is this is a we celebratory had a great, book. Yeah, yes, we had a great experience yes. with it. When and, you're doing interviews on a fifty thousand watt radio station, you don't necessarily go into the dark side. But uh, it, 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 I think that if there had been those stories to tell, he would have told yeah. them to us because we had a wonderful relationship off the air with him too. Yeah. And we talked at great length. Uh, whenever we drove to Florida, I'd be on the phone with him, watching hmm. my minutes being eaten up as he was talking about what <laughs> Back mile- in the days of brick phones. Yes. yes. What milepost are you at, doll? Where are you going to eat? Where are you going to stay? Because he loved traveling. He loved being on the road. 
But uh, Saturday, when we are talking about these years that we spent with him and got to know him, uh, and we'll be answering questions, and we also talk about WGN. So if you're a fan, come out. You can get those questions, and the dark side will be told there. Yes. Um, the uh, following our book signing, our talk and our book signing at 2.30, the Woodstock Public Library will be showing the fabulous movie Chasing Sound. And there's a chapter in our book entitled Chasing Sound because that's what Les did from the time he was four years old. He was chasing sound. He was never satisfied with the sound he was getting. He always wanted something that was more pure. Yes. And he he never felt that he completely uh, achieved that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're laughing Mike's because... speaking in the background, Mike had his photo opportunity. I'm standing here and I'm realizing... Actually, you photobombed him. I looked, I did, I photobombed <laughs> Steve just now. And, cool. I, and, and I'm standing here and I'm thinking... Oh, my goodness, because I just went to your blog, and you had photos from the last radio show you were on. I went, nobody's taking any photos. <laughs> so, uh, hey, uh, Ellie, Ellie, get in here and grab this camera, okay, before uh, we get out of here. Uh, but th- that's great. So p- folks will get to see this. They get to see Chasing mm-hmm. Sound, yeah. which was uh, wildly popular on PBS. And, in fact, the man who's behind the movie uh, writes a chapter in our book mm-hmm. as well. And we were very honored to get to know him and uh, if if you don't get to come and visit with us and for whatever reason you're busy on a Saturday, look up Chasing Sound because you mm-hmm. really need to see that movie. One of my favorite stories is when Les was four years old and he used to move uh, a chair between rooms in their house so that he could get an echo. And he'd sit in the bathroom and he'd play guitar and he, he would think, oh, this is it. Oh, no, that's not quite it. And his mother was so tolerant. You know, she just said, oh, Lester, whatever you want. Just no drums. Just, just yeah, exactly. No <laughs> drums. I have to tell you, I am so the opposite of Les. Um, he's a guy who would grab a piece of equipment and then he would take it apart yes. uh, and put it back together. No, I never, that's not me at all. It's not. And, and he was a, a, a detail oriented. I'm big picture all the way. <laughs> I mean, there's, uh, there's no way. I, I, maybe I would have complimented him because I'm, our, yeah. st- our styles are so different, different. Mm-hmm. but I am not that guy. Although I admire what he did. You're well, the, the, the best example of Les's mind, he explained if his brother walked in a room and turned on the light switch, Oh, the light comes on. Fine. Yay. Les would walk in, turn on the light switch. What made that happen? Yeah. That's how Les is faster. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, and and really quickly for those who who I tease the whole idea of the aluminum uh, neck. And for a while in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and actually it has stretched into the 21st century, uh, but the heyday was 50s, 60s, and 70s of aluminum neck guitars Mm -hmm. and and. You you actually have to read this chapter. I think you'd really enjoy it about it. Uh, and the thing that aluminum had going for it is that it doesn't change. It doesn't. Yep. Uh, it's it's solid, and it um and unlike wood, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to worry about temperature changes. Yeah, it's not going to warp. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's why some, if Jerry Garcia he had a guitar that he used that sold in t- 2007 for three hundred and twelve thousand dollars. Okay, but it was mainly because Jerry used it. And but those guitars are still around. They're collectors' items. Sometimes they show up in pawn shops, mm-hmm. which is weird um, because some of them are really really wonderful instruments. And it's not that. They're better or worse. Obviously, if Jerry Garcia is going to use an instrument, he must have liked it. Yeah. Okay. And there were other uh, musicians who loved their aluminum. And sometimes I think they go through phases. They go, this is fun for a while. It's trends. And, yeah. And I'm, yeah. now I'm going to go back to something mm-hmm. else or try something different. And Les was always trying sure. di- different things. So did he ever talk about aluminum guitars? I, 
I he believe a, he did. He, in fact, he had an aluminum guitar did. at one point. And every guitar that had his name on it had to be sent to him and had to be approved yeah. by him before he was a, allowed his name to be put on it. Yeah. And it is the most popular signature guitar in the world. There are more Ever. with his name right. on it. Exactly. So that resulted in, him, in, in less standing in line at the bank. And the woman looks down and she says, he said, the young woman looks down and she said, oh, Les Paul. Oh, how interesting. My boyfriend has one. Did you know there's a guitar named Unless <laughs> yeah. is Really? How about that? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we're basically out of time here. Oh, Steve and Johnny, this you. has been so much fun. Thank you so much. This thank you. Uh, and and uh, if folks uh, want more information, they can go to my website, MikeNovak.net, because I got all the links there. Real quick hit for your appearance next uh, Saturday. It's going to be at the Woodstock Library, uh, 1 o'clock. And uh, if you want more information, go to our website, SteveAndJohnny.com. That's J-O-H-N-N-I-E.com. Right, I-E. I had to tell Ellie that. All right. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. <laughs> we'll be back after the news. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. Aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. This is your talk. Do you read me? On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Come on, is anybody even out there? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847 847- a new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now please make enjoy for Second Hour Capitalist Radio. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy and wealthy wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And I think we now settle into our normal mm-hmm. regimen, yep. more or less. Whatever. I can't hear myself, but... Um, um, Hello? You got it? Sort of. All right. Yeah. Keep talking. I can hear you. You're okay. fine. You're fine. Okay. So we'll... Because we'll, I, we'll, I switched mics. That's why I'm... <laughs> oh, that's right. You went, went from the other... Yeah, we, we, we switched things around for Steve and Johnny. We wanted to give them... The best mics. And and they actually stood for the whole time. Uh, we get everybody to do that. Uh, you might not know, but if you watch us on Facebook, you know that we stand here uh, in the studio simply because uh, I usually get about an hour and a half of sleep and I don't want to fall asleep. Uh, that's not it, really. But we, we like standing. And so we got Steve and Johnny. Better energy that, that way. Yeah, it was kind of fun, though, uh, because I know they used to do sit for six hours. Uh, doing the overnights at WGN. It's a, it's a whole different feeling. Although, as I mentioned before uh, to them off air, Roy Leonard used to do that from time to time at WGN. He would stand mm-hmm. 
uh, he would do the show standing up. It was kind of funny because he would just pull the mic up and he would stand there and you'd look he at him. He trained you. He did. He did. Absolutely. I saw you grabbing the cheat sheet yeah, there. Yeah, a couple things that we wanted to talk about. Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Everything's growing. Time, yeah. If you live in Chicago, time to enter your garden. What What types of gardens should people be looking at entering in the contest? Everything. All right. Uh, whether it's a vegetable garden, an ornamental garden, a specialty garden, which means containers or rooftop gardens, rain gardens, uh, rain gardens, all that stuff. Uh, do you have an urban farm? Do you have a community garden? Are you part of a community garden? You need to uh, enter the contest. We want to see your garden. We've got we've got less than three weeks for you to to make the decision and then go to Chicago Gardening Awards dot org. And uh, you can register your garden and enter. And last year we gave out 46 awards uh, in uh, 26 awards. 26 awards. And I and I just spent last Thursday, excuse me, last Thursday sending out 50 emails, one to each award, customizing it and telling the aldermen, hey, dudes and dudettes. Let's uh, let's get your ward uh, involved in the uh, Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards program. If I can give a couple shout-outs to Alderman Arena and Alderman Wagaspec, I saw that they picked it up in their newsletters. Alderman, uh, oh yeah, that's true. They we made it into their newsletters, which is so cool. Uh, and uh, a number of uh, aldermen replied and said we're going to get on it, which was cool. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm really happy to see that, but. We're we're trying to tell you to get the word out. Go to Facebook. That's one place to go. It's Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards uh, on Facebook. Uh, you should be doing this. If you're a gardener uh, and, or you know somebody who is, you should be telling them about, about it right now so that folks can get involved. Uh, and you've got till the 20th of June to get this done. So that's what we wanted to let you know. That's one of the things. What else, Peggy? Um. The Custer Street Fair is coming up, oh, and right. WCGO is the official radio sponsor of this year's Custer Fair 2018, which is June 16 and 17 in Evanston. Aha. Uh-huh. We're going to be there. Did you know that? Uh, I kind of knew. I had a hint. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I I know we're going to be there. <laughs> I, so Just for So I was looking Just at me. Up. No, I do. I do, Sonar. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're very excited about it. This is going to be very, very. I heard you talking about it on Mighty House yesterday, Sonar, uh, about the event, and they block off streets here in Evanston. And uh, we want all of you to come and meet us all. Meet uh, uh, Peggy and me, and uh, we know Bill Turk's going to be there from Playtime. We Richie, Gina from Open Road's going to be there. Richie Z is going to be there. It's going to be uh, really fun. Now, uh, and uh, that's uh, obviously June. 16th and 17th is the fair. We'll be there on the 17th Mm because that's the Sunday. Um, Something else, though, I just found out. I don't even know if I told you. Uh, Sonar, I don't think you know this yet, but I do believe we're going to be part of the Sheffield Garden Walk. Oh, cool. The Sheffield, uh, what do they call it? Something in Garden. I, I used I I had to actually had to look it up because I think of it as the Garden Walk Fed Music Festival and Garden Walk, the Sheffield Music Festival and Garden Walk on. July 22nd, I believe, either 20, whatever that Sunday is, mm-hmm. 22nd or 23rd, I think it's 22nd. Uh, we're going to be there in the Sheffield neighborhood. Wow. That's like the greatest. It's going to be so much fun. And they're they're going retro this year with their music. So that, that'll appeal to some of us in the room. And, and June 23rd, <laughs> the Saturday, we're also going to be at the Midwest Pond and Koi Society's Koi Show. Right. And McCook. At the Max. The Max. The Max. The Max. In McCook. So in order of things, we've got the Custer Street Fair, June 16th and 17th. 
Uh, we'll be there the 17th. Uh, the following Saturday, we'll be at McCook at the Max uh, for the Midwest Pond and Koi Show, their annual Koi Show. And then uh, skip a month uh, for the Sheffield Garden Walk, uh, Music Festival and Garden Walk. And we're going to be out in the Sheffield neighborhood. How cool is that? We're everywhere uh, for the month of June and July. So, um, yeah, I got to talk to you about that, Sonar. I already told Kevin. He kind of knows about it. So, <laughs> Sonar's uh, giving us a thumbs up. Uh, and then in between that, we're going to be busy looking at all the entries in the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards that are due on June 20th. Yeah, so we hope, we do hope that uh, you're part of it and that uh, you enter your garden. Uh, we want to see as many gardens as possible. We're very excited about the awards for 2018. Again, that website is chicagogardeningawards.org. Although, I think if you go to .com, it'll take you there, too. I'm not... No? No? She's shaking her head. All right, go to .org. .org. We, we own .com. We just... It has <laughs> to be connected. We haven't set it we up yet. We don't have the duct tape together The yet. Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking farmer's markets next. From boat... To doorstep... You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. This is tree keeper number 417, hydrated, loppers sharpened, and reporting that Openlands has tree keeper summer and fall courses in 2018. Tree keepers are trained volunteers who advocate and care for nature's most majestic plants, trees, around the Chicago area. Trust me, you'll be glad you took the course. The summer course is Tuesdays and Thursdays in Arlington Heights. The fall course is Sundays and Thursdays at Wells Park in Chicago. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash tree keepers. Did you know that today is Take a Native Plant to Lunch Day? Well, every day is when you grow plants from natural communities' native plants. This year, you can get your hands on hard-to-find edibles like wild leeks and golden seal instead of stealing them from forest preserves, which is illegal, and a whole forest of permaculture shrubs and fruit trees like service berries, pawpaw, and persimmon, and nut trees like pecan, hazelnut, and walnut. They even carry wild strawberries and other native fruits. Natural Communities has the largest selection of native plants, shrubs, and trees in the Midwest. They even have native garden kits for beginners. And they're happy to provide you with education about sustainability to help you succeed. It was never so easy to make a positive difference in the world around you, even if you're a foodie. Don't just get back to nature, create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. Naturalcommunities.net. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. This is your talk. We're going to be here for a long time. Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago.
was quite subtle and the mood low-key. The sky was overcast, you could hardly see. And the creatures all boogie to a different frequency. The day the finger pickers took over the world. Yeah. Yep. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And that is uh, part of our tribute to uh, guitar players, finger pickers. Uh, we started in the first hour of the show with Steve and Johnny. Um, and uh, there's another CD that I've got here. This is uh, Chet Atkins and Tommy Emanuel. Um, they uh, have both, were both on uh, Steve and Johnny's show and uh, mentioned in their book that you might want to get a copy of A Little More Less. Uh, you can go to a little more less les dot com and do that, and we'll we'll play a little more guitar before the end of the show. But right now, let's go to the phone line because it's that time of year. It's the third of June, and what happens uh, about this time of year? As you mentioned earlier, when we were talking about Chicago Excellence and mm-hmm. Gardening Awards, everything starts to grow, um, and. Yay! That's why we have Janie Maxwell on the phone, the executive director of the Illinois Farmers Market Association. Janie, good morning. Good morning. Are you still as excited uh, today as you were? You should be today because where are you based, by the way? I live in North Aurora. I'm in the western. Okay, so you should uh, be excited because I walked out this morning and... We had this rain last night, and it washed everything clear, and it smelled like summer when I walked out today. I thought it smelled like summer. I was very excited, and I knew knew that all my plants, my veggies, and my other plants had gotten a a good uh, soaking last night, and it was very, very exciting, and that's the time of year when you and your friends all get excited as well because... The farmers markets are are basically up and running, aren't they? Yes, we've seen over the last couple of weeks that most of the farmers markets in the Chicago land area are open or opening, and it's a very exciting time. Uh, and uh, uh, we we we've begun to have you on the show now, kind of on a regular basis. You were on in January, I believe, and then we and, and you were on mm-hmm. last year, and we sort of keep tabs because. One of the great things happening with uh, the uh, Illinois Farmers Market Association and, and farmers markets in general in Illinois is that they're on all year long now, aren't they? Yes, they are, and it's really exciting. We've seen a tremendous increase in the number of winter markets that are um, continuing in communities. Most of them have their origins in a summer market, but there's such a desire for fresh product all year long. And now there's also the ways to grow that product year long, whether it's through hoop houses or season extension or whatever the case may be. Uh, so we do see winter markets pretty much taking us through that uh, November through uh, June part of the year when typically you don't find farmers markets. And then all the summer product starts to come and you're going to see the opening of these wonderful uh, summer markets. Uh and uh, what is the uh, Illinois Farmers Market Association? And you can go to my website uh, to, to get a link to it, and you can go on Facebook and find you guys. What are you, what are you doing to aid farmers markets across the state? Well, we do a lot of different things. We work at uh, promoting farmers markets. You know, hopefully all your listeners today are going to go to our website or yours and find a, a location of a farmers market close to them. 
and look at the dates and the times and take uh, a chance on going out there, buying some fresh staff and supporting our local growers. But to make that easier, we've also been working hard. We developed a phone app called the What's in Season app. And not only will it tell you what's in season according to your zip code, but it'll also show you on a map where you can find farmer's markets uh, near you and then even potentially producers near you. And so we're hoping that that will put into the hands of consumers that are looking for great fresh product an opportunity to find it. And I assume this is uh, available on uh, Droid and iPhone as well? Uh, it's available on all of your devices. However, uh, we <laughs> everything, have determined everything, that, that it is it has been cost prohibitive for us to put them in the app stores. So right now, until we get some additional funding, you can download the What's in Season app at What's in Season app dot uh, org, and then uh, you will have an opportunity to share it to your phone, and then it works just like a traditional app, but. We were um, disappointed at the cost it would take uh, for the organization to actually put it in the app store. Interesting. Hmm. But it's great. Once you've downloaded it, you can use it. You can use it online. Uh, We also have that same type of mapping technology on our website with all the farmer's markets. So just really hope you take advantage of finding the most up-to-date information you can about where your farmer's markets are, what they have right now, and then... um, their dates, times, and places. So you're saying you got to go to whatsinseasonapp.com. Is that correct? Correct. All right. Yes. Wow, I didn't see it. You, you just uh, enlightened me about something. I, I, I know back in the day I, 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 I was trying to put an app together for the show, and, uh, you know, the thousands of dollars they were saying, oh, yeah, you can do it quick, down, you know, down and dirty for five grand. I'm like, huh? What? Uh, but I didn't. Right. I didn't. I didn't realize there was a cost associated with just to have it in the app store. But there must be. Obviously, well, I'm not sure where the cost actually lies. Whether it's on the development side because it has to meet a certain criteria, or whether it's from the app store. But our development partner has said we don't have the resources with the block grant we receive from the Illinois Department of Agriculture to cover those costs presently. Uh, I get it. Everybody's working hard and trying and trying to make things happen. Uh, something else right. that uh, uh, I want to talk to you about is uh, the cottage food law in Illinois continues yeah. to, to evolve, doesn't it? Yes, it does. We are very excited that during this legislative session, we were able to work collaboratively with partners to get uh, the cottage food law to expand to include um, tomatoes. Tomatoes are considered to be a more high-risk food because unless they're at a certain acidity level, they can be carriers of foodborne illness. And so they weren't in the original list of items that are allowed under the cottage food law, but we got it um, passed. And so as long as the product either follows a standardized recipe that has been shown to meet a certain acidity requirement, or if the producer gets their product tested by an independent lab, then those particular products can be um, made under the Cottage Food Act or the Food Freedom Act here in Illinois. Hmm. We're very excited about that because we have so many tomatoes. 
Well, yeah. What do you yeah. do with them? And, and it gives <laughs> the farmer and, producer yeah. an opportunity to not just sell them fresh, but then to sell them, for example, at those winter markets all year long so that we have these great uh, tomato-based products, which I don't know about you, but I buy a lot of them that uh, will be available fresh from the source uh, for uh, throughout the year. You know, I, I, I'm going to plead ignorance here because I didn't realize mm-hmm. that was an issue. Peggy brought it up during the week, and she said, oh, yeah, we're, we need to talk about this, uh, the tomatoes and tomato products. And I said, what? Uh, see, I always assume tomatoes were one of the safer veggies because of the acidity. And as you're saying, that may be so, uh, but you have to have certain ac- uh, yeah. acidic properties to if it. If they're not canned right. properly, there can be problems. Right. And and maybe that was less of an issue, but as you will find now, we have a tremendous opportunity to purchase heirloom tomatoes, wide variety of tomatoes that typically weren't available to us about maybe even as, as long as 10 years ago, except from a very small percentage of producers and growers. We were getting just like one type of tomato. And each of those individual tomatoes have different acidity levels. If you think about like a pear tomato, mm-hmm. the uh, golden yeah. uh, yellow tomatoes, they're not as acidic as some of the red ones. And so you can't just say blanket, it would be safe to do this kind of process. Yeah. Probably up until now, if you found tomato products at a farmer's market or at a farm stand, they were produced in a commercial kitchen. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's an option. Making it as part of the cottage food law means that some of those overhead costs can be avoided by your local producer, uh, and they can bring those products to market safely. So what do folks need to know to make sure that they're being safe when they buy a product? Uh, you know, we bring this up, and what it's, all it's going to do is, is, is set off alarm bells in some people's head and heads, and then they, they won't buy any tomato products, but they can. So how do they uh, make sure that they're safe? Well, as I would say, I think when you go to a farmer's market, your opportunity is to know your farmer. They're standing there. They have their staff there, people that understand how they do what they do. Mm-hmm. And I would ask them questions. Ask them questions. If you have a, if you are a cottage food vendor, uh, you have special certification that you have to be able to show at a farmer's market uh, when you sell. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I'd ask, ask questions, make sure that you engage a conversation with the producer that you're talking to and ask them how those were produced. You may find a lot of people are just bypassing that and using a commercial kitchen, but uh, you may also find some of our cottage food vendors. And just by asking questions, I think you'll find that you're going to start to feel comfortable with the producer on the other side of the table. All right. And that, and, and obviously that is the answer. And that's why people go to farmer's markets because they know the people who grows the stuff. Uh, and you know, it's fresh. That's right. And they know how it was made. They know yeah. how it was processed. They know the best agricultural practices that they, that they follow on their farm. Yeah. And um, I think that, um, you may even find that some of, in the initial phases of this, people may actually have their independent lab acidity level verification, mm-hmm. uh, or they may be able to say, I followed the standardized recipe, you know, whichever the case may be. We'll have to see on the local level uh, what health departments require them to show us to ensure that we are, in fact, getting that product. 
Uh, we're talking to Janie Maxwell, who's the executive director of the Illinois Farmers Market Association. If folks want to uh, find out about your work, what's the website, Janie? It is ilfma.org. As in Illinois Farmers Market Association. Dot org. Dot org. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask, so what's coming into the markets now? It's early June. What should people be looking for? That that is local to Illinois and uh, Wisconsin, Michigan. Yeah, I think we're a little behind in the growing season. Our our cold, delayed spring. Um, we, yesterday at the market, I was still finding lots of asparagus that <laughs> I'd have expected to kind of be done by now. Yeah, uh, lots of greens are are available. Whether it's the early lettuces or whether it's the chards or some of the deep uh, leafy greens. Mm-hmm. Um, we're starting to see the beginning of strawberries. Mm. And uh, if you do want to get strawberries from a farmer's market, I suggest going extremely early because I think those are going to be some of the most prized products at the farmer's market over the coming weeks. Um, starting to see uh, yesterday, for example, um, scallions, uh, garlic skates, um, a few varieties of radish mm-hmm. uh, were available. So we're just seeing the very beginning of what's actually coming up out of the ground uh, being available to us right now. But probably what will happen in the next couple of weeks uh, is that things will just kind of explode and take off. And that's what we get. That's when we start to see this grand variety of product that's available to us. That's interesting because I think uh, people experience at a farmer's market things that happen in grocery stores too, but they don't, when they're at a grocery store, they just, they don't know the process. They go to a farmer's market and they get to talk to the grower and the grower says, yeah, it was a cold spring and things are just coming up. So they get to understand some of the pressures that farmers are under when they're growing things. And and a lot of it has to do with weather and all across the Northern tier of the United States, as we've talked about on this show, week after week after week, it's been very cold. And things are behind, as as you mentioned. But I think this is an, uh, a chance for people to get educated and talk to their mm-hmm. farmers and find out. Yeah, uh-huh. you, yeah, you're uh, like you said, uh, asparagus goes away about this time yeah. of year, but it's still out there. I was talking with someone yesterday yeah. who said, "What's in season? How do I know what's in season? Is it squash? Is it what? Go to the farmers market. Go to the farmers market. Yeah. Check out your website." To see what's in season, but it's it's just watching the process unfold and you start learning. We've only got a, a, a like a minute and a half here, Janie. But uh, in general, mm-hmm. where, what's the state of farmers markets in Illinois? And, and and if you know anything about the rest of the country, the rest of the country. I mean, for a while, uh, in the past few years, you could practically draw a graph line straight up. But some of that has leveled off, hasn't it? And, and, it, and I know it also depends on the market, meaning not the, the market itself, but like the area that you have a farmer's market in. Right. Yes, we saw this uh, incredible proliferation of farmer's markets across the country. We think that the number has started to level off. Uh, what we're really trying to do is educate the consumer about the difference between a farmer's market and a grocery store, some of the other Mm -hmm. options that are out there. Like you said, finding the best, most local, highest quality, best tasting product, you're going to find that at the farmer's market. And so we're trying to drive consumers to go to the market and take advantage of that opportunity. Um, We're trying to educate the consumer because so often the consumer doesn't know that there's a difference between the farmer's market and the grocery store. 
And there are a lot of people that are trying to confuse the consumer by saying that what's available in their grocery store um, is local when, in fact, it may or may not be. Yeah. So we're That's, trying to yeah. still we're, test. We're, we're kind of done here, Jane, Janie. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it. Well, thank you. Did you know it can take up to three liters of water to produce just one liter of bottled water? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Over 22 billion water bottles end up in landfills each year, and far too many end up in our oceans and waterways. According to the Environmental Working Group, about 40% of bottled water is actually regular tap water that may or may not have gotten any additional treatment. They also confirmed there was at least 38 different low-level contaminants in bottled water and an average of eight chemicals. So, ditch the plastic water bottles, folks. Choose to filter water and use reusable bottles for your own health and to reduce plastic waste in landfills. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and, of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com. Or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Welcome back. And uh, I wanted to... uh talk about something that happened this week that was uh, kind of interesting before we get into uh, Rick DeMaio weather. Some of you might have been aware, I know some, uh, folks who are, are are birders were aware of something. Bird that, watchers. Uh, well, birders. They're called birders, yeah. right? All yeah. right. And uh, they um, might have heard that uh, there was something going on with uh, the Montrose point uh migratory bird sanctuary and uh that was last weekend it was it was a weird thing because last weekend was the holiday weekend uh monday was of course memorial day Mm -hmm. and uh, i got word from a friend of mine on sunday on sunday that something strange was going on uh regarding the the bird sanctuary and basically there was a notification given by, of all people, the Army Corps of Engineers for the Chicago District. And they had notified, they had sent out this notice that, and it was dated the 16th of May. So this was a week and a half to two weeks after the original dating of this notification that there was going to be a theme park put into Montrose Beach just offshore. And uh, a lot of people scratched their heads and said, huh? Um, 
and it, inflatables and things like that. Yeah, the I was going to explain that. Okay. It's like a, it, it basically it's a, a theme park, meaning they were going to have these inflatable plastic things that are anchored with thousand pound blocks of cement. Uh, that are held together with rebar and put them at the bottom of uh, Lake Michigan just offshore and then inflate these plastic things and you could slide in them and move around in them brightly colored and so forth right off the beach, Montrose Beach, and very near. Actually, with you know, I, I don't have the exact distance. I, I, wrote, I wrote a blog. Let me put it this way. I wrote a blog about it immediately uh, and I was ready to post it on Tuesday because – all day Monday, and then on Tuesday we were we were talking about this, uh, going back and forth with people because basically the the park district had said they they were exploring this, and it turns out from documents that were released by the Army Corps of Engineers and by uh, the Illinois Department of Natural Resources that this had been talked about for a year. They'd been working on this for a year, and no, and the interesting thing and the disturbing thing about it is that uh, nobody seemed to know about it. Uh, uh, There was no advance notification about this. So for over a year, this had been in the works, and certainly the birders didn't know. Certainly none of the other people who who maintained— Friends of the parks Friends of the parks didn't know. Uh, Yeah, all of the the civic groups had no clue, no clue at all that this was going on. And then suddenly this notice shows up from the Army Corps of Engineers— and they were saying, yeah, you got, you've got till uh, June 5th to comment on it. Well, nobody saw it until the 26th uh, of May, which meant there was like a, about a week. I mean, June 5th is in two days. So it was a, a week and a couple of days you had to comment. And, and again, people were saying, what? And so folks started. Then, then a second document came out from the uh, the. Uh, Illinois Department of Natural Resources that said, oh, well, actually, uh, you got until the 25th of June to comment on this. But, yeah, we're trying to put a park, inflatable park there. And people were still scratching their heads and saying, well, why didn't we know about mm-hmm. this? How I, did this happen? I, I called. Uh, I wrote to uh, uh, friends of the parks and said, you guys know about this? And they said, no, we're just we're, we're scrambling here. Everybody was scrambling. Everybody was scrambling. And I realized on Tuesday, as I was putting my blog post together, uh, uh, I know that um, Eric Zorn at the Tribune was working on the same thing because I would talk to people and they say, yeah, Eric Zorn talked to me. And so I said, OK. And so I had this <laughs> I had this 1300 word blog that I put to, together about this whole thing. And just as I'm about to hit send in, in, in honest to goodness, within the minute, uh, an email pops up. And I got from one of the groups and says, uh, don't worry, the park district has pulled the plug on it. They're not going to do it. Well, good, I guess. Except why did you propose it in the first place and why didn't you tell anybody? I'm this is really disturbing. We're, we live in a world right now. You know, we live in a country, let me put it that way, in which our, our natural resources are, are, are under threat. We got an EPA that is not only is not dysfunctional, it's actually malevolent at this point. And it's trying to undo decades, if not uh, hundreds of years of progress we've made in the environment. Okay, that's how terrible that is. We got a, a Department of the Interior doing the same thing and trying to license drilling in our national parks. 
So when we have a local organization like friend like the like the park district that is p- trying to put plastic crap in our lake and anchor it down and doesn't tell anybody for a year what am i supposed to think of that oh yeah they, they don't worry we're, we're not going to do that well why were you doing it in the first place that's the problem i have with the whole thing and 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 a lot of that right now i think has dissipated because the energy of this has gone out but there were a lot of groups that were really concerned who were very upset and part of the reason they pulled the plug is because these organizations got on the phone right away and said what immediately do you, what do you think you're do-? in fact they called on the holiday by tuesday i mean the holiday was monday by tuesday this thing was dead and that's because i'm sure the park district and IDNR and uh, the Army Corps of Engineers got an earful from people who said, how dare you put this anywhere near this bird sanctuary, which is one of the most precious spots on the Great Lakes for observing birds. And nat- and there are native plants there, too. And they, they're fighting battles all the time mm. with dogs as it is and trying to keep the dogs out of the place. And you're going to put a plastic park out? Uh, offshore are you out of your minds and it's not just for observing birds it's the stopover point in the one of the major flyways i mean there's so many reasons this is a bad idea but mainly it is why weren't the question i guess i have to ask here is why weren't these groups notified why was this sprung in such this is ham-fisted. You look up ham-fisted in Wikipedia, and you see now you're going to see the logo of the Chicago Park District in IDNR because it was ham-fisted. It was very badly handled. And I, for one, am very angry. Now, there's a lot of groups out there are listening to me uh, who might think, well, that's Mike. We, we're, we're, not, we're not going to go down that road, and I don't blame them because they have to work with these people. It's important that you have a good relationship. I'm the radio guy. I'm the guy that looks at this and says, what the heck were you thinking when you did this? And why didn't anybody know? And how do we stop this from happening in the future? Are we going to have any transparency? Really? I, I understand the city of Chicago is big and there's lots of things that go on. But this was inexcusable. This was absolutely unconscionable the way it was handled. Now, if somebody from the Park District wants to call me and and come on the show and say, hey, no, 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 we really did this right. Okay, that's fine. Prove that to me. From what I see, I mean, even Eric Zorn in the Trib was sort of scratching his head and saying, hey, I'm not sure what was going on there, but it doesn't make you look good. It certainly doesn't. Have I missed something here, Peggy? I mean, I was outraged by Mm -hmm. this. And I wrote 1,300 words that never made it onto my website. But web- it was excellent. They were ne- excellent words. Never made it onto my website because by the time I finished writing the story, the thing had been – I mean, even the, the articles in the Trib and the Sun-Times actually came out after the thing had been resolved. I could have done the same thing, but I thought, why bother? I, you know, I'll just talk about it on my show on Sunday. Yeah. I think the important thing is how did it happen? Was it an internal process that they need to figure out? That nobody got told and nobody knew it was happening? Or was there transparency? And why are they so out of touch? Right. And and there was, it was going to be a private entity. And that's the other thing I want to bring up is watch out 
for creeping privatization of our lakefront. This seems to me, a, this is a shot across the bow. It's a warning that folks need to be vigilant, and they are. I mean, why do you think the, the, the Lucas Museum didn't go up? Because it's our lakefront. Why do you think some people are upset with the Obama Library? It's not right on the lakefront. I get that. It's in Jackson Park, but it's still mm-hmm. part of our natural resources. And, the, and that's why there's been all this hubbub about it. And the Southworks site, that's another four miles of lakefront. Right. And nobody wants to touch that now because apparently it's so contaminated that it's going to cost a fortune to fix. Now, that's me reading between the lines. If Again, if somebody wants to talk about, you know, we should. We should talk to some people about the Southworks area and the, because the, the latest developer backed out of that. And I, and I suspect it's because it's going to cost so much to fix and, and to decontaminate. Yeah, without corporate responsibility. So it. the point is congratulations to all of the groups that stood up and said, no, no, you're not going to do. No. How dare you? How and dare how you? And how fast everyone was able to motivate everyone through through social media and email and phone calls. They all got on it. So it was an amazing thing to watch because I was writing this piece over 48 hours and watching all this development happen in a very, very from from this email I got from a friend that's how it started. And I looked at it and went, well, that's not good. And then I started seeing all this other stuff. And then suddenly it exploded into this big, big cause celeb. And uh, and then after that, the plug was pulled. And I haven't heard a word since. Well, and that's the thing that disturbs me. It's almost as if uh, uh, the the park district is saying, no harm, no foul. Well, that's not true. It was only a proposal. It's only a proposal that we knew about for a year. And we didn't tell anybody. That's all. It was just a little, it was just plastic stuff that we were going to put in Lake Michigan, you know, a few hundred yards from one of the best bird sanctuaries on the Great Lakes. What's the problem? What's everybody, why is everybody so upset? Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, Step to the soapbox is here. (laughs) All right. I'm going to step down, but I don't care, you know, because it made me angry. And now I've vented and I feel better. All right, Rick DeMaio weather coming up. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Did you have an award-winning garden last year? Yes? Did you actually receive an award? No? Then you didn't enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. We partied like it was 2017, which it sort of was. 46 great Chicago gardens and 26 awards were honored, and we're doing it again this year right now. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org and fill out an application. It's free, and your plot of paradise might be recognized as one of the best in the city. We're looking at ornamental, vegetable, container, and specialized gardens, such as green roofs, walls, and rain gardens, community gardens, and new this year, urban farms. You have until June 20th to register. Did I mention it's free and created in part by the Mike Novak Show, Natural Awakenings Chicago, and some other pretty excellent organizations? Go to Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards on Facebook or chicagogardeningawards.org and get your garden in the game. Is that too aggressive? Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. 
Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please, support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Admit it, you've been itching to get a pond in your backyard, complete with the living art that we call koi and goldfish. Join Mike and Peggy at the 26th Annual Koi Show at the Max in McCook, Illinois, on June 22nd through 24th. Learn from the pros from the Midwest Pond and Koi Society. The exhibits and seminars are free. Then join their 2018 Garden and Pond Tour for two weekends at the end of July, covering the entire Chicago area. Go to mpks.org. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. Yes, come on. Come get us, Sony. Come get us. Come after me right now. Come on. I dare you. Come on, Zuckerberg. You and who's the Sony person in the room with you there? They're drinking beers and they're and and they're going, oh, okay, let's smack that down too. Okay. So in case you're wondering why you can't see us on Facebook right now, unless you go to 1590WCGO, it's because Sony Sony doesn't like us. Ha ha ha! I don't like you either, Sony. I'm not buying any of your products. This not today, anyway. Sony was laughing, sort All of, right. or uh, crying in his beer. One of the two. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Oh. Time to bring in Mr. Rick. Yeah, I guess uh, the the voice of reason, uh, Rick DeMaio, meteorologist. How you doing, Rick? Uh, good morning, Peg. Good morning, Mike. Can good I morning. be? Can I be? Can I pardon myself for yesterday's weather? Yes, you can. You can part. Why do you need to pardon yourself, though? Well, because you know Trump wants to pardon himself. <laughs> I think I just do what Trump says. Yeah, but, go, yeah, but, but cool, man. he's a real he's a real guy like us. <laughs> Well, well, but, but the the point is, did you do something wrong that you have to pardon yourself for? If you didn't do anything wrong, well, there's no point. I don't point. think anybody, I don't think any meteorologist forecasted overcast skies and you know beachfront mm-hmm. temperatures in the upper fifties for the second day of June. That was that was a pretty that, miserable that was day delightful, yesterday. sir. Thank you. Yeah, Peggy knows more about you it know, than I, I do. It, it was seventy four when I left Tinley Park yesterday, and. 57 oh, yeah. when I yeah, got you're, back you're on, along you're the You were on lake. the right side of the air mass, Peg. No, 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 but then she came home, and it was 57 in, in Highland Park. Oh, then you were on the wrong side of the air mass, Peg. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, so I get this, this text from Rick um, Friday morning, 7.22 a.m., cold front coming. Yep. <laughs> oh, that was, that, was, that was on Friday. Yeah, it was Friday, and then just kept going from there. Yeah. Oh my God. And that was that was one of those days, Peg, where um, as a meteorologist, you were in your glory watching these lake effect clouds moving down the south end of the lake, and it was actually occurring, which was pretty amazing. I can I can share the um, uh, the not only the satellite image that I saved, but the actual blog site from the um, Cooperative Institute for Meteorological Studies, which is basically the satellite center up at UW Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They said. Notice the lake effect clouds on the south end of Lake Michigan actually appearing to move northward. And this was due to the fact that the cold air that was pushing all the way down the south of the lake was actually being impeded by moving inland. So the air over the land was actually warmer. So this shallow, dense layer of moist air couldn't push into the inland areas. So it actually began to back up. And I think you've probably seen that before, guys, and mm-hmm. listeners could probably attest to this as well. 
Oftentimes when you see water kind of push into the shoreline, it can't go anywhere. The waves actually begin to move in the opposite direction, and you begin to have the waves actually crest a little bit quicker before they get to the shoreline. And that was actually happening yesterday. And we're looking at this, go not yesterday, but on Friday, and you're looking at this going, that's pretty cool. And that's one of the reasons why, as a meteorologist, there's not a day that goes by without you kind of scratching your head and going, wow, I think I just learned something. I I think meteorologists uh, all over this area have been learning stuff all spring. Uh, this has been <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> this is this is this is like the Broadway of of meteorology. You you basically got everything up and down the strip. I mean, we had the fourth coldest April on record, followed by the third warmest May on record. And I still haven't gone back in the books to see when was the last time uh, we had such an up and down. Um, April to May. You can get that sometimes in March. Mm -hmm. March to April, you can get that. But April to May is really weird. So it's almost like, I guess one way of looking at it is April acted like March and May acted like June. Does that make sense? Kind of, except that we got to June and it started acting like April again. So... You, Mike, you ruined a good part of my scientific explanation. <laughs> you would be the guy. You, you, you would be the guy in my class that every once in a while, when I see you look at me and the hand goes up, I look the other way. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sorry because I got a phone call from Ron Cowgill, uh, and, uh-huh. and this was on Friday. All right, and he leaves uh-huh. me. A, I didn't see the call come in, and then he leaves me a message, and he says, "You told me it was safe to plant my tomatoes on June 1st. All right, and, uh, and now yeah. and now it's <laughs> as long as, as long as you you know dress up in a coat, they're fine, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, they're they're not going to be they're not going to die. All right, it's just no, 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 no. no. Well, we did have I think you pointed the, the out we did have temperatures um, Saturday morning uh, in the upper forties, which is you know which is pretty cold for this time of year. But yep. at the same time, it was also kind of a cloudy, kind of moist onshore flow. So. This time of the year, I mean, you're you're done with any frost or freeze, so no worry about that. Let me just, let me just go back to the climate news. Um, the average temperature for the month of April was 41 degrees. The average temperature for the month of May was 66. That's a 25 degree increase from one month to the next. I don't think I've ever 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 seen that wow. in 36 years of watching weather in this area. Again, I got to go back and look at when was the last time we had such a dramatic difference. And, and one of the numbers that really stands out, I know a lot of people have been talking about this, is the fact that May ended up being the wettest May on record. Well, from a climatological standpoint, yeah, that number is, is the, you know, the top wettest, but it was also the precipitation in the month of May across Illinois was very selective. Mm-hmm. So a climate scientist would look at that and go, wow, what caused that? A meteorologist would look at that and go, well... It was basically an isolated area, and I sent you some links as well. If you look at the area of precipitation through the month of May, mm-hmm. you literally had a bullseye over northern Cook County up to, like, southern Lake County. So, like, O'Hare, Powaukee Airport, yeah, you had that 7-8 inch area. But, man, Midway Airport had 4 inches of rain. Romeoville, where the National Weather Service office, 3.85. You go down into the southern suburbs of the southern farm areas, Kankakee County over to Pontiac, had like an inch and a half to two inches. So this was not a widespread rain event during the month of May. This was basically a couple of a couple of shots of heavy rain that just managed to land on the official spot. So meteorologists would look at that number for the month of May and shrug their shoulders. It, it really wasn't a big deal to have record rainfall like that. However, 
the fact that it was the warmest May in 41 years, I think 47 years, that's some big news. Interesting. It, it really is interesting. And, and again, <laughs> uh, it kept, uh, it kept uh, things interesting for uh, gardeners as well and for folks. Oh, and yeah. Me- yeah. Meteorologists take, and gardeners. Take the tomatoes out, bring the tomatoes in. Take yeah. the tomatoes out, bring the tomatoes <laughs> in. Yeah. And, 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 and I guess the next question is people go, okay, well, what does this mean for the month of June? To tell you the truth, I think it means nothing. I, if you look at the overall long-range pattern, we actually go back into somewhat northwest flow around here uh, tomorrow and staying that way over the next two weeks, which means we're kind of on the edge of the warm air down to the south and west and the very cool air uh, up across the Great Lakes. In fact, the mid-lake buoy is still showing 44 degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, the north buoy is showing 39, and Lake Superior right now is only 37 degrees. So the lakes are still running around 3 to 4 degrees below normal temperature-wise. They're probably, I think, running about 6 to 10 inches above normal because we had so much rain, particularly in the south half of the lake over into Michigan. So the lakes are actually above normal. They're cooler than normal. And I'm still thinking we're going to get back into a wet pattern around here, probably beginning as early as Tuesday. Wow. Okay. Well, give us uh, that forecast then. Okay. So beautiful today. There's a lot of cloud cover just across the state line. So enjoy sunshine for the next two to three hours. It'll be coming kind of mostly cloudy, but it's still not going to be a bad day from a standpoint of sky condition. So mid to upper 70s today, beautiful tomorrow. And then it looks like thunderstorms arrive Monday night into Tuesday. Could see some heavy rain around here on Wednesday, a little bit of retrieve on Thursday, and back to another two-day uh, rain event for uh, Friday and Saturday. So anything you're doing to protect yourself from the black flies and the mosquitoes you're going to have to do. Uh, but overall, temperature is generally near normal, but precipitation above normal over the next 10 to 14 days. Okay. And, of course, it rains on Wednesdays because that's when I play softball. So that's that's always the case. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. All right, Rick. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next sure, week. Guys. I want to thank uh, everybody who was uh, on the show today. Uh, uh, Steve and Johnny, of course, uh, from WGN and elsewhere. I want to thank Janie Maxwell from the Illinois Farmers Market Association. Rick DeMaio Weather. You guys in the production room until next uh, Sunday. Go green or go home. Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.